Greetings to all of our campuses and all of our affiliate churches. Uh, let me just remind you, if you're a, a business owner uh, or a, a, an executive in a business, about Gateway Business Leaders. We started this a few years ago with Steve Doolin, one of our elders that was in business for 30 years. And I just wanna remind you that we didn't start this for you to do something else or, or you to help the church. We started this to help you. And so if you're a business leader and you haven't gotten involved in, in Gateway Business Leaders, there's a website you can go to. You can get involved in Gateway Business Leaders. And uh, you, the, the guys that have, and the ladies that have gotten involved have told me it's just been phenomenal. So, all right. Well, as I told you last weekend, I'm not sharing a, a series this fall. I'm just sharing some messages that I feel like God's put on my heart. And so I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 46. We'll go through some other verses, but Psalm 46. Uh, and here's the title of the message this weekend. What is your refuge? What, what is your refuge? What is your safe place? The word refuge means an elevated fortress. It's a place you go when there's trouble or where the enemy's attacking and you need to be safe. And there are synonyms for the word refuge in the Bible, such as a fortress or a high place or a rock or habitation. And we've got Psalm 46, verse one, uh, verses one and two, says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You've probably heard this verse before. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. I want you to think about <laughs> how strongly the psalmist says, since God's my refuge, I have no fear. I mean, if the mountains start jumping into the ocean and the earth start, starts dissolving, I won't be afraid. Now, let's be honest for a moment. <laughs> if the mountains jumped into the ocean and we found out the earth was dissolving, would you have a little fear? Psalmist says, I wouldn't, wouldn't have any fear because God is my refuge. Think about, we're, we're living in a, a, a fearful time. I mean, there's more violence in the world than there's ever been. Crazy things like what happened in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. Crazy, horrible things. Stress, people talking about the future and the economy. All the things going on in, in our world right now. All the terrorism. Let me just tell you something. You're going to have to have a refuge. What's amazing is I heard this story the other day that I think our kids are picking up on how stressful the world is. Even at a young age, maybe they're hearing their parents say some things or whatever, but Debbie was in line at the supermarket the other day, and there were three ladies, and they were talking, and this one lady said, I just got to tell you all something. She said, I, I got a text from a friend of mine, and she has a five-year-old son. And she got a text from the, her son's teacher that said, your son's been saying that he has a headache and that he's had this headache all day, but we're checking him. School nurses checked him. He doesn't have any signs of a headache. Uh, so she said, so I just want to let you know something that he said. She said, so I asked him, 
have you had any other health issues this week? And he said, well, yes, on Tuesday, I had a mini heart attack. <laughs> he's five years old, you know? So he's hearing it from somewhere. So, so what, is, what, is, what does stress do to, to us? And how do you handle stress? How do you handle anxiety? How do you handle worry? Do you sleep well at night? You know, there's lots of things like this. Uh, my son James, who oversees our stewardship uh, ministry here at the church, um, he loves the outdoors. He got a chance a couple of years to buy five acres west of the church and for a real good price, built a house, but he put a high fence up and he has deer and he's a deer farmer. So he raises deer. And so this uh, past summer, he had eight fawns. Well, one of his fawns, after a couple of months, he went out and the fawn was dead. And very sad, but he wants to know why. Is there some sort of a disease or something I need to inoculate the other fawns or you know, I need to check? So he calls the vet, the vet comes and checks it. And here's what the vet said to him. The deer died of stress. And what probably happened, James has it where coyotes can't get in because we have coyotes in the area, you know. They can't get under the fence or through the fence because the way he's built it. But bobcats can climb over. And there were paw prints uh, there. And the veterinarian said he was probably chased by a bobcat. Normally a bobcat can't catch a deer, but it so stresses him out, the heart beats so fast that it sends blood to other parts of the body, it, it begins to break capillaries and goes to other parts of the body and it can't recover that blood and that's how it dies. And when he was telling, the veterinarian was telling James this, he said, Dad, you know what I thought of? What does stress do to the human body? How many ailments do we have because of stress? So I'm asking you, where, where's your refuge? And your safe place, where do you go when you get bad news? Um, you know, one way to think about it is, um, what do you get excited about? For instance, someone might say, hey, group of us are going to go to the night of worship, you know, at Gateway. You want to go? Uh, yeah, I'll go. Afterwards, we're going to go out to dinner. All right. <laughs> well, you got a little more excited about going to dinner than you did worshiping, you know, see? So, uh, yeah. By the way, uh, everybody needs a refuge. And let me just say this, everybody has a refuge. It may just be the wrong refuge. So if I asked you today, what's your refuge? Well, because you're in church, you'd all say, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Okay. But if I gave you truth serum, And I asked you, what is your refuge? I wonder if we'd get some different answers. wonder if people would say stuff like, money is my refuge and strength. Visa is a very present help <laughs> in trouble. Here's one we might get. Food is my refuge and strength. Oreos are very present help <laughs> in trouble. So uh, last weekend, I actually, which was strange for me, as you know, had seven points. This weekend, I actually have six points, but I'm going to do them in groups of three, all right? So the first 
group of three are the results of choosing a wrong refuge. So I want to give you three points about choosing a wrong refuge. All right, here's number one, distance. A wrong refuge will cause distance between you and God. You remember the first commandments we went through the series, Relationship, God's Top Ten, First Commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay, let me tell you what a refuge is, a wrong refuge. It's a God before him. It's going to someone first, something first. It's going to something for trying to get relief that only God can give you. Now, I'm gonna give you a, a crazy illustration, okay? I'm, uh, I just, so please don't take this too literally, but I just, I, I, I've got a, it's the best illustration I could think of to illustrate it. So let's say that Debbie and I are driving in a car and there's a, a woman jogging and I just stare at this woman, okay? Uh, she's not gonna get out of the car, you know, depending on our speed. She's not gonna get out of the car. <laughs> but it's gonna cause a distance between us, but we're setting this far apart. Are you following me? Those of you who are married, you, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, <laughs> you can be in the same room and not be close. <laughs> Right? There's a distance between you, but it's not a physical distance. It's an emotional distance, all right? Okay, so I'm going to take this illustration again a little farther. Not, not just at what if I look, but what if I went to another woman to meet my needs? Would that cause a distance between Debbie and me? Of course it would. Okay, listen. When you go to the wrong refuge, you're going to another God to meet your needs. It's called spiritual adultery. And it causes a distance between you and God. There are many, many people that will say, you know, I just don't feel close to God right now. Please hear me. He didn't move. He didn't move. The reason I, I preach messages like this, by the way, is to not make you feel bad, because we all do things like this. It's to help us understand, oh, I, I'm going to something else for comfort rather than the comforter the Holy Spirit. So there's a distance. Here's the second thing it will cause is disappointment. Disappointment. Here's the reason. Satan says, come over here. You'll get some comfort. Come over here. Come here. Come over here. But you never do. You, you just get more disappointment. You get more disappointment. You get more uh, depressed. Uh, I'll give you, I know, I, I know there's a clinical definition of depressed, and I know there are some physical things that can cause depression. But let me give you a spiritual definition of depression. Depression is a cause, it's, it's a person that has been going to the wrong refuge for years. That's what causes depression in the church, in the Bible, in Scripture. Going to the wrong refuge. See, so the Bible says Satan masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, he pretends to be a comforter, but there's only one comforter, and that's God. So he offers all these things to tell us this. Um, let me just give you a little, a little illustration. Um, alcohol uh, is a refuge for a lot of people. And the Bible doesn't forbid drinking, but it does forbid drunkenness. And I would say, if you have a problem, okay, let me say it a different way. If your friends and your spouse tell you you have a problem, because normally a person who has a problem, no matter what it is, won't admit it. But if you just need a drink, I just need a cigarette, I just need a drink, 
Okay, I'll, 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 I'll change it even from alcohol for a minute. Caffeine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says, now you're meddling. Okay, so <laughs> I was in a fast food restaurant one time. You know how you're standing there next to the counters? And this great big guy, probably 6'5", 250 pounds, he came in, uh, jeans, big belt buckle, you know, and he says to this little boy working there, he says, give me a large caffeine right now, son. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> the guy said, what, do you want Coke, Dr. Pepper, Diet Coke? He said, hey, if it's got caffeine in it, son, give it to me right now. Put the ice in the cup and give it to me. Where do you go for comfort? And I do want to say again, alcohol. Now, I'll tell you a funny story about that because it, it's still, um, uh, you know, we, 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 in, our, in our society, and rightly so, we've seen drunkenness, and so we're, we'd be concerned about someone. So uh, Dr. Jack Hayford, his wife, Anna, you know, passed away this year. But three or four years ago, he's at the church. Well, Anna had tremors. And uh, the doctor told her, you should drink four ounces of wine at night. It'll help your tremors. You know, her hand would shake like this, like when she would eat or drink or, you know, the, uh, like we'd go to meal with them or something. And she didn't want to drink alcohol. She'd never drank alcohol in her life. Never. And for them, they were both teetotalers. And um, grew up in that, type of, in, those, in that type of family, too, that, hey, we're just teetotalers. And so she didn't want to. Well, Jack prayed about it and felt like she was supposed to. She said, I feel like you should try it, and we'll see if it works. We'll do it for a month. And so she did, and it began to help her tremors. But she never had a problem, you know, with alcohol or any type of dependency or anything like that. But they came here to speak, and they were here for a conference, and she started getting these tremors. And so Jack called me, explained the story, and said, you know, this is kind of unusual for me, but would you go get, out, uh, you know, some wine for Anna? Well, I, I get recognized, you know, most places I go, and stories get kind of blown up, you know, and so, so I, I called Josh, my son. <laughs> so I explained it to Josh, and so it was actually years ago before he was preaching as much, and people didn't know him as much. I thought he could be a little more, you know, um, uh, conspicuous, you know, and so, or inconspicuous, I'd say. So, so he went to Central Market. And he said, Dad, you wouldn't believe how many of our members go to Central Market. <laughs> he said, every time I was about to turn down the wine aisle, someone said, hey, Pastor Josh, hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm just telling you, a wrong refuge causes disappointment. If you're going to it for the wrong reason, you'll be disappointed. Here's the third thing a wrong refuge causes is destruction. Literally Destruction. Look, it says in 2 Chronicles 16, verses 12 and 13, Asa became diseased in his feet. This is one of the kings of Israel. And his malady was severe. Now watch carefully how it words this. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians, and Asa rested with his fathers. Now when the Bible says he rested, that, that means so he died. But he didn't die because he sought physicians. It's not wrong to seek a physician. It's not wrong at all. You ought to go to a doctor. But he died because he didn't seek the Lord. See what I'm saying? His refuge in whom he trusted, where he went for help, was not the Lord first. And it wasn't even the Lord at all. Uh, when I was growing up, um, I'm talking about going to the wrong refuge and how it can 
you know, destroy you. When I was growing up, uh, I was real skinny, very, very skinny. When Debbie and I got married, I weighed 145 pounds, and I'm six foot two. Uh, so I was just very skinny. When, literally, when I was in high school, I could cool off in the shade of a flagpole, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> that's an old one, but it's a good one. So anyway, uh, but I got married, and then I started getting a little older, and a funny thing happened. I got healed. <laughs> I couldn't gain weight growing up. Now, I can I mean, it's easy now. It's, it's not hard at all. I mean, I, I'm completely healed. I just want you to know I'm cured. So, but what I realized as I began analyzing why I was gaining the weight, sure, there are some physical things and getting older, but I realized that I was going to food for comfort. Now, I'm still meddling. Why, why do you eat? Why do you eat? I just want you to think about it. I mean, I don't know if y'all know, but Oreos can talk. They can talk. Or you come in from work, and the Oreos will say, did you have a bad day? <laughs> you said, yes, I did. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying it's wrong to have dessert. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I just want us to all analyze, am I going to a wrong refuge? Are, are you all following me? That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, here, here, here's the second category, the results of choosing the right refuge. So we talked about the results of choosing the wrong refuge. Here are three results of choosing the right refuge. Here's number one, strength. Strength. Look, look at Psalm 46, 1. God is my refuge and strength. See, when I turn to something else, listen carefully, there's no strength. But when I turn to God, I now have strength to prob probably even overcome what I wanted to turn to. And I'm not talking about just some, uh, you know, we talked about alcohol, there could be drugs, could be immorality. Let me just name a few uh, other refuges that people turn to. Entertainment, sports, shopping. I won't, I won't stay long on that one. Um, <laughs> Self-pity. Self-indulgence, self-exaltation, self-promotion. I know people that when they're going through a tough time, they promote themselves more. They talk about themselves more. It's a refuge for them. Busyness, people, relationships, television, our minds. I'm gonna drill down on that one in a moment. Uh, my gifts, my strengths, my abilities, tobacco, alcohol, drugs, fantasy, or sexual immorality of any sort. That can be a refuge. Think about it. When do you fall? When do you go back to that thing you said you would never do? When you're tired, when you're stressed, when you're anxious about something. That's when you should be going to God because if you don't go to God, you won't get strength. A lot, for a lot of us, our minds are a refuge for us. I, 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 many times, this is the way my mind will work. If I just think about this for long enough, I can figure it out. And that's so close to the truth because the truth is actually, if I pray about this long enough, God can give me the answer. But when you pray about it, then you can walk out of the room with peace because you gave it to God. Have you ever uh, awakened in the middle of the night and uh, 
thinking about something, went to bed thinking about it, woke up in the middle of the night thinking about it, and then woke up the next morning thinking about it. Yep, come on, don't give me self-righteous looks. Anybody, anybody do that? Okay, well, that, what that means is you didn't give it to God because you're still carrying it. What's amazing is when you're mad about something, I mean, well, this, I know this is horrible to say. You ever, you ever dream to kill someone? You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, you just, okay, I know what y'all are saying. Pastor Robert, you do need help. So I'm just saying, you know, you have some sort of a violent dream or you wake up in a cold sweat because you had a demonic dream. Because you're not going to the right refuge. When you go to God, you get strength. By the way, again, I'm not saying that entertainment is wrong. I'm not saying sports, hobbies. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it's not your refuge. Matter of fact, uh, you know how I love words. Look at the word recreation. Here's the word recreation. Again, break it down. Re-creation. Recreation. God loves, he loves for us to recreate. God loves for you to recreate. He loves that. He loves for you to get refreshed and renewed. But if you go to something else, you won't get any strength from it. No strength at all. Here's the second uh, right result is help. The Lord is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, I want you to think, again, I love words. I love how the Bible words things. He didn't just say a help in trouble. He said a present help. And he didn't just say a present help. He said a very present help. Okay, do you know why God is a very present. I want you to think about the word present here. Why God is a very present help in trouble. Do you know why? Here's why. Because he's inside of you. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He has been with you, but he will be in you, in you. He's going to come make up his home. He's going to make his home in you, with you. Okay. So God's in you. Okay. I, I don't know if you have thought about this much, but wherever you go, your insides go with you. <laughs> your liver is very present with you, wherever you go. Your kidneys are very present with you. I remember, I don't drink uh, caffeine just because I just don't like what it does to my body. Um, we were in Israel on a trip, was drinking a lot of water and all, and we stopped at this place and there was a McDonald's. Now, for any of you that have traveled overseas, when you say McDonald's, it looks like a Ruth's Chris to you. You know, it just, it's like, you don't eat McDonald's here, but you, you all go overseas, you say McDonald's, stop, stop, there's a McDonald's. Because <laughs> it's American food. And it was gonna be about two or three hours before we got to dinner at night. Everybody was getting something, and I got a big thing of fries. Uh, now, I do have to say something about French fries from McDonald's. I don't know why they have salt shakers on the table. I don't know who's eating something from McDonald's and thinking, you know what this needs? <laughs> this needs more salt. That's what okay, so anyway, that's why they're so good. So, so I decided to get a big thing of french fries, and then I don't drink caffeine, but I, I, uh, for some reason, been, been overseas for a while, I just thought, I'm going to get a Diet Coke. I'm going to get a big, large Diet Coke. Well, I didn't realize how the caffeine um, goes through you real quickly. 
and there was no bathroom on our bus. We had another two hours to the hotel through desert parts, and I was leading the church tour. Real hard to stop the bus with your members on and go behind a bush, you know? But I was the first one off at the hotel because my kidneys were very present with me. I knew they were. That's all I'm telling you. I'm telling you that if you go to God first, he's present, he's with you, he's right there. And he's got an answer. Help, help. He's not just your strength, he's help. Think about this. The, the, the government tells Peter, you owe some taxes. That same thing as the IRS saying you owe some taxes, okay? Peter does the right thing. He goes to Jesus. Listen to Jesus's worry-free, stress-free answer. Go fishing. That's a pretty good answer when the IRS tells you you owe money. And he goes fishing, catches a fish with a coin in its mouth and pays the tax. I'm just telling you, if you go to Jesus, there's help. If you go to any other refuge, there's no help. And here's the third result is no fear. No fear. Therefore, we will not fear. Even if the mountains jump in the ocean and the earth dissolves, we won't fear. First uh, John 4.18 says, there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love. By the way, the Bible also says God is love. So there's no fear in God. So if you have any fear, any worry, any anxiety, it's because we're not going to the right refuge. Because you go to the right refuge, there's no fear. There's no fear. Here's the problem. Satan does everything he can to convince us not to go to God. You've been to God a hundred times about this. How many times have you told God you won't do this? Don't go to God. He's mad at you. He's tired of you coming. I mean, he's really tired of you. Okay, I'm going to make a very, very strong statement. God loves you even when you're turning to a wrong refuge. Because of who he is, not because of who you are, because of who he is. He loves you. I'll say it this way. God loves you even if you're turning to drugs, sex, and alcohol to meet your needs. He still loves you. And he's waiting for you to come to him. And if you come to him, there's strength. That's the great thing. There's strength. There's help. And there's no fear. Because perfect love will cast out all fear. Uh, last weekend, I shared the message on racism. And we got in groups and we prayed at the end of the service. And my son and his wife were... Uh, in a group with a couple in our church. And um, she just said, it's an African-American woman, she said, you know, this, this message was tough for me. She's got the biggest smile on her face every time I come in service. But she just was honest. She says, it's a very tough message. And I wanna say that I realize that last, week's, last weekend's message was a tough message because for some of our brothers and sisters, it, it brought up painful memories very painful memories of things that have happened to them and to their families. But I want to say to you, I don't want to minimize your pain at all, but I do want to say to you that Jesus heals the brokenhearted. 
No matter what pain you've been through, he can heal the brokenhearted. Uh, you know, I, I shared with you uh, a few years ago that my grandfather was murdered when my mother was 16 years old. I never met my grandfather. My mother never shared the details of his murder with anyone. She never talked to anyone about it until she talked to me when she was 79. So for 63 years, she never talked to anyone. And when she talked to me about it, I remember, and she told me the details, I was devastated how my grandfather was murdered, shot three times with a 45 in the chest, and, and then lived for 10 days before he died. And the, the pain and the, the torture and the torment that he went through, and I, I was just devastated. And I went around that feeling, even though I never met him, it was in my family. This is the way some people feel because they know what happened to their family. And when we talk about it, it's horribly painful. For about a month, I, I was just, I, I felt like I, he had just died. And I was grieving. And I remember one, one morning in my quiet time, I said to the Lord, I don't think I can handle this anymore. And the Lord said to me so lovingly and so gently, I can. I not only died for your sin, I died for your pain. If you'll give this to me, I can take it. And I just want to encourage you, if you're going to a wrong refuge or you're going through a difficult time, you got something painful in your life right now, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And the reason I ask you to close your eyes at the end of a message, every campus, every overflow room, is just simply, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I want you to take a moment and just ask him, in your heart, you don't have to say it out loud, but just, but please, in your heart, say the words to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And if there's a place of woundedness or a place of hurt, or if there's a place of bondage or a place of fear, a place of anxiety, a place of worry, or if you know that through this message it's been revealed to you, I I'm going to the wrong refuge. I know I go to this too much. I know I, I, I turn to this. And Lord, I don't want to turn to the wrong refuge. I want to turn to you. Well, you can do that right now. The way to get free from a wrong refuge, really three steps, and you've already done step one, but the first step is realize it. Next step is renounce it. And that's what I'm asking you to do right now. And the third step is repent. And the word repent, I've told you before, means to change the way you think. Change the way you think about food. Change the way you think about alcohol. Change the way you think about a hobby or a sport or, or uh, some sort of anything in your life that you turn to other than God when you need comfort. Change the way you think about it. And we want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending, if you're going through any type of difficulty, maybe something related to the message today, may not be really even related to the message, but if you're going through any type of difficulty, marriage, family, finances, health, anything, that's what we want to pray for you. Don't ever, 
come to church and need prayer and not get prayer. Church is about three things, worship, the Word, and prayer. So we're always going to worship. We're always going to have the Word. We're always going to pray for people. And maybe you've never come to the altar for prayer. I'm talking to you. You, you need, you're not a big bad person because you come for prayer. You're just a human. All of us need prayer. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, any area of your life, as soon as we stand up in just a moment, as soon as we stand up, you just step out, come to the front of the campus or the room where you are, and we're gonna have people at the front of every campus and every overflow room that want to pray with you, people that we've trained that are leaders in the church that we know and they are, they are excited about praying with you. If two will agree, what the Bible Jesus said, if two will agree, touching anything, it'll be done. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out, and come to the front and let us pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.